She's like, I'm the one that my whole body gets destroyed so you can have boys and be daddy, right? More kids. It's time for a second one, Matt and Belinda, right? No, I'm just like, Nick and Nick, y'all getting the hook up for number one? <laughs> Good job, Paul, Felice. They're ahead of the curve. I want to pray for two people that are in our church right now, so I want everyone to pray for them. Um, Melody Baker, anyone know who Melody is? We just love Melody. She's in the hospital. She's been in there for a while. And then we also have Mandy Carpenter. Do what? She got out? Thanks for the news. All right. So we want to pray for her. Okay. And Mandy Carpenter. Anyone know who Mandy Carpenter is? Gary right there? She had a heart transplant. Everything's going, going well. Um, but there, there are a couple of things we want to pray for. She's having, she's having some fluid on one of her lungs, um, and it's, it's collapsed a little bit, so they need that to be healed completely. So we want to pray for both of them for just complete healing in their bodies, all right? So, Lord, we just release healing to Mandy Carpenter right now. We thank you for the miracle you worked to get her this heart, to move her up the donation list, and all the things you did quickly to, heal, to get her this heart. And we thank you for it, and we thank you for her doctors. Just continue to give them wisdom. But we speak to the fluid buildup to disappear. We ask that the fluid would go away right now, that her lungs would function properly, that she can breathe properly, so that she can send that oxygen through her bloodstream to the rest of her body so she can heal quickly, Lord. And we just say yes to that. And we speak to Melody. We just speak healing to her body, to her intestines. We ask for complete healing and overhaul. Lord, I ask that you would just even give her new intestines. Yeah. You made us. You created us. You know how we work. And I just believe you have a whole storage house in heaven of new parts. And so we just send new parts to Melody right now in Jesus' name. Let me believe that that's, that, that's possible. And we've heard testimonies of people getting new, completely new lungs. I heard a testimony of someone who smoked for like 40-something years, and their lungs were just destroyed from smoking. And they were like, well, I've stopped smoking. I gave my heart to God, but I'm just going to have to live with this for the last you know, few years of my life. And God gave that person completely new lungs. The doctors were baffled. All new lung tissue. <laughs> so God can do the impossible. Uh, I, I just want us to expand what we think is possible with God. Like, just enlarge what we think is um, normal. I, I really enjoyed um, the scripture that Kyle read and, and the worship and all that stuff and what Matt did. All of it was speaking to our identity. And um, when we sing that song, it's probably one of my favorite songs, that Forever in a Day song that says, I will sing to the King, I am the ransomed one. When it gets to that part and it says, I was ashamed. <laughs> he called me beautiful. How many here were ashamed? Like, you know that feeling of just not wanting people to know the real you? That's called shame. Anytime, the, anytime we want to conceal who we really are, that's the work of shame. You're in a... You're in a a relationship with the King of Kings who's not afraid of, of your in, insecurities and your faults. And he's not afraid of those things. So anytime we're trying to conceal our weaknesses or the things that we're not up to par on, it's called shame. And the Bible doesn't want us, the Bible tells us that he, he gave us beauty for ashes. In, in other words, he gave us beauty for shame, joy for mourning. And so... Uh, that gets me every time we sing that song. You guys don't know my testimony. and you, You've only known me for a, a year or two. And, and so you see who I am now, but you, you don't know who I was. And um, 
I was filled with shame. I hated who I was. I was raised in a pastor's home. Five generations. I'm a fifth generation pastor. I knew what church was all about. I, I was raised in a home where I knew what the glory of God felt like. I knew what the presence of God felt, felt like. But there was just a, there was a deficiency in me that I try to feel in other things. And, and all of us have been there. And I hated who I was. I really did. I went to church. I, I loved church, even though I hated who I was. But I lived with a cloak of shame. Disappointment, like Matt was talking about, disappointed in who we are. And I want to speak to shame. I want it to go. I want it to go, because you're beautiful. I know it's not a Christian song, but I wish you could come sing it for us right now. I can't think of her name. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring you down. You are beautiful in every single way. I don't know the words, rest. But I know that part. And that's a spiritual song. And that's what the Lord's singing over you. You know he sings over you? Like when you sleep, he's singing over you. I mean, you had children and you sang over them when they were sleeping, when you were rocking them to sleep. You had your own little songs. Every night, even us old folks, when we go to sleep, the Lord sings over us. And that's what he's singing. You are beautiful in every single way. Your past can't bring you down. You are beautiful in every single way. You can't even bring you down. <laughs> That's what he's singing over us. Christina Aguilera, the name just came to me. <sighs> Lord, I ask right now that you would remove the cloaks of shame and guilt. We won't do guilt and shame anymore. We will not conceal who we are because of shame. That's the enemy's trick. I want to say this. I'm mid-prayer. I'm going to preach now. <laughs> Whatever stays in darkness will dominate. So what he wants to do is he wants you to be ashamed and conceal it because he knows if you conceal it, it will continue to dominate. But the moment light breaks over a situation, it loses its authority. Amen? So, Lord, we just break shame right now. That thing in us that makes us want to hide. It started in the garden. We want to hide and conceal ourselves and make, make clothes for ourselves of righteousness instead of trusting in your righteousness. Amen? Oh. I have a PowerPoint, Kyle. It's, uh, it's up there. I've got the clicker so I can feel powerful. All right. And I want to read a couple of scriptures before we, uh, just as we get started today. I'm probably not going to go after my notes. So we'll get into some teaching on this later. I'm going to teach the concept today. And then some other time we'll come in and fill in the blanks with, with some practical things and stuff. But the Lord doesn't want us to live a compartmentalized life. Okay, and I'm just going to take a few minutes. I know it's, you know, getting close to that lunchtime and Cowboys play early, which I hate when they play early, but they play early today, and um, we'll respect the Cowboys and not talk forever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really don't care about the Cowboys. Now, if it was the Longhorns playing, I might be really speaking real fast right now, like the Micro Machines guy, <laughs> but the Cowboys, yeah, that's all right. 
But um, in John chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Jesus answered her. He replied, he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And I want to really focus on this part. He says, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Did you hear what that said right there? Jesus is saying, hey, if you love me, you're going to obey my teachings. And what will happen out of that obedience is my father and you are going to fall in love. And then we're all going to come live inside of you. And you're going to be our house. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're going to come live inside of us. Right? And he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And these words you hear are not mine, but they belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Lord does not want us to live this life that's compartments. Uh, I guess the easiest way for me to say it would be like, I have work, Jared. I have family, Jared. I have husband, Jared. I have father, Jared. I have church, Jared. I have party, Jared. Fun, Jared. Entertainment, Jared. Secret, Jared. I have enforcer, Jared. Everybody have the enforcer, like if someone messes with your, with your stuff, enforcer, whoever your name is right now, steps up and they take care of business for you. It's like your bouncer, you just call their number and bam, enforcer Jared shows up and all of a sudden he's like, oh no, you didn't, <laughs> right? We've got these different parts of us that come out at different times. Someone's nice to us, we have nice Jared. Someone's rude to us, we have, we have pay them back with rudeness Jared. Right? And we have all these different pieces of us that are all fragmented in there. And it's like they don't even know each other. It's like church Jared doesn't really know work Jared. Because work Jared, Jared's just focused on work. I'm not thinking about God, church, anything else right now. I'm doing work. Work Jared doesn't really think about being a husband right now because he's by himself and he's working, Right? It's like they don't know each other. It's like they have no connection. There's no networking going on between all these different people. So we can come to church or we can, we can, and we put on the church thing and then we immediately get close to the end of service. Our minds shift into, what's for lunch? What's for lunch, Jared? I don't care what we eat. Just give me something to eat. We turn into these monsters. Man, I wish Manny was cooking something at home so we could go home and watch the cowboy game, Jared, right? I'm so glad we moved from Irving three minutes away, Jared. We can hurry home and watch the game. <laughs> Right? Am I telling the truth, though? We can, since we're adults, we have husband Jared. And while we're with our wife, it's great and fun. But then when everything's over and everything's done, we're thinking, okay, now I can go get me something to eat. I got to get out of here. I got to get cleaned up. I got to leave. I don't want to be husband Jared anymore. I got to go somewhere else. Hello? We break our lives down into so many different little pieces, and they don't ever seem to cross over. The Lord wants to make us one. There's not work Jared and husband Jared and daddy Jared and soccer coach Jared and this and that. That's not who I am. I am one person. My relationship with God is the central part of me and it has to impact every part of my life. You can't do the compartmentalized Christianity. Or when I'm at church, I remember I'm a Christian. When someone cuts me off in traffic, I remember I'm enforcer Jared. <laughs> oh Yeah. I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to hurry around you, and I'm going to cut you off so you can see how it feels, right? We, we flip the switch, and all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm thinking about do to them because they did to you, right? 
But that's kind of, for some reason, we've fallen into this trap where we allow this kind of compartmentalized Christianity to go on. And the Lord says, I want to bring all of who you are into one person, and I want to be the center of it. When you're at work, I want you to think about me. When you're at home with your family, I want you to remember me. This is God talking. When someone cuts you off in traffic, I want you to remember me. I want, I want to be in your consciousness. When you're frustrated and you get a bill that you don't know how to pay, I don't want you to try to figure it out. I want you to remember I'm your provider. When you get bad news from a family member and, and, the, and the sisters are fighting again and there's chaos in the home again, I don't want you to revert to let's pick sides and create war. I want you to remember I came to give you the ministry of reconciliation, which means you can fix problems. You have your MacGyver inside. <laughs> Some of you don't remember MacGyver. MacGruber. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, if you guys only knew everything went on to my head. Like you, you're Mr. Fix-It. You've got that thing inside of you that can fix problems. So when crisis comes up in your family, you're like, I don't know what we're going to do. It's our, the answer's inside of you. He lives inside of you. He is the answer to the issue. Don't go to the enforcer or the, or the pick and sides person that's inside of you. Go to the, the one person in you, you, where Christ is the center. And from that point, learn how to live life. It's really scary how we do this. We punch the clock. How many of you think about your job when you're not there? I mean, if you own your own business, some people do. You, you really love what you're doing. How many people don't really enjoy your job? So do you think about it during the week? No. Come 8 o'clock when you're supposed to clock in, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I work for Med Synergies today. I'm Med Synergies guy, and here I am to work. Lunch break, clock out, I am not thinking about Med Synergies. I'm somebody completely different right now. Clock back in, oh, yeah, we got problems. Let's take care of Med Synergies. I love Med Synergies. Clock out, and we don't think about it again, right? It's done. Do you know we, we seem to do that in almost every one of these categories I broke down. Beautiful lady walks by. I don't remember. I'm husband, Jared. Yeah, is this good? <laughs> and the Lord wants to bring us into one person. He wants the fragments. He wants the, the, the broken, the fragments and the fractions to become one complete whole person, healthy and whole. You know, the Lord wants you to be healthy and whole, completely healthy and whole. And he wants to be the center of your universe. Yeah? I guess I'm going to read one more scripture and we'll probably end with this. Actually, I'm going to read this one. In Matthew 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Um, you hear the word poor in spirit and it doesn't really compute with us, right? We don't use that word poor in spirit. Like, how was your day? I don't know. I feel really poor in spirit today. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever said those words really unless I'm quoting the scripture. And so this is what it really means. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God for the kingdom of heaven will be given to them. Here's the problem with the compartmentalized life. 
I don't recognize my need for God's presence in every area of my life. We talked about independence last week. We talked about being our own person. And the Lord doesn't want us to be independent. He wants us to be in a partnership with Him. He wants us to be in a, in a relationship with Him where, where we recognize, I can't do this without I can't be husband Jared without you. I can't be work Jared without you. I can't be enforcer Jared without you. You know, enforcer Jared popped up one time. We were on our way to El Chico and Irving, me and my brother. And I got mad at this guy, man. And I should have known better. He had a gun rack in the back of his car. I should have known he was packing a rifle in there or something. This dude pulls a gun out on us. This old country guy. I'm like, you're too old to act like that. You know? And I was wanting to get him back. See, I couldn't have done that without God protecting me. Because he pulled the gun out. And I, was, I think he was going to shoot at us, man. I don't know what was going on. I couldn't have been enforcer, Jared. Even then, I couldn't have done that without God. How many of you have ever done that? Man, you've picked on someone bigger than you and God got you out of the situation. Even when we think we're handling our stuff, when we think we're doing our thing, we can't do it without God. Even when we think we're providing for our family and we're hustling and we're doing all the things that we do to provide and be husbands and family people, even in all of that, we think, man, we're doing good this week. No, it's because God's in us. He's the one. We can't do any of this without him. Blessed are those who say, man, I need God. Blessed are those who are in the middle of their work and say, you know what, God, I'm working hard today, but I sure need you. I don't really want to be doing this right now, but man, you can make the time go by faster if we just had a little conversation. Hello? The only way that you and I can live with an awareness of our need for God is to have constant encounters with Him. Because when we encounter Him, like this morning, how many felt God in the room? Like you had an encounter. Like it just something happens. All of a sudden, when... when, when for me, it really just, worship, always awesome. But whenever he read that scripture and he said that you were created to be like God, he even read it in Genesis and then read it again later in, is it Romans you were quoting? Corinthians, yeah, it was Corinthians, First Corinthians. As he was quoting those things, you were created in my likeness. When he said that all of a sudden I had an encounter with God and God says, you are supposed to look like me. He said it in two different ways. You're supposed to look like me. And all of a sudden I had an encounter and my awareness became Man, I'm supposed to be like him. And in that moment of encounter, it brought to me my real identity and who I'm supposed to be. The key for me now is to walk out of here with that same realization of how I need him so I can be like him. When I'm driving down the road and my mind goes blank, that somehow God brings me to that awareness. Oh, I need you, God. I can't do this without you. Amen? I'm going to close this up pretty quick, all right? Everybody good? Now here's the, here's the problem. Here's what happens. Religion comes in and takes the place of an intimate relationship. And religion dulls our awareness of our need for God. I want you to hear this. This is so important. Doing the church thing, doing the music thing, the prayer thing, giving our offering, all the religious things that we do, they're, they're good. They're not bad. If, if the heart's right, they're good, Right? But when we fall into religious tradition, what that does is it's like a drug that numbs us and tells us that we don't need God. Listen to me. Who did not recognize Jesus when he came on the earth? Who didn't believe he was the Messiah? Well, the prostitutes, did they, not, did they think, oh, no, that guy can't be the Messiah. Look at him. He's... The prostitutes, the sinners, the beggars, 
The people who were demon-possessed, all of them knew Jesus when he came. Every one of them. Not one time did Jesus confront a person who was lost and without him and them not say, man, he's the Messiah. I know you're the Messiah. The woman at the well, this guy's a prophet, and he's got to be. This is him. But the religious people were like, this can't be him. He doesn't make his disciples wash their hands before they eat. And he doesn't do all the rules. Why did they not see Jesus? Because their religious traditions, the things that made them holy in their eyes, made them not need God. Because they can read the law. They can read Isaiah and quote it. They can go to church. They can fast and pray. They can do all these things. And because they feel, I can do all this, I'm righteous because of all these things I do, they lose their ability to know they need God. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're in church And we can fall into a trap that says when we do religious things, then we're doing good and we don't need him. I mean, really need him. It numbs us. It suddenly becomes about what we've done and what we deserve. But God, I prayed. I gave my offering. I came to church got to fix this thing i did this thing you got to do your thing or we may not even say those things but we may say god if i give up smoking will you help me if i give this thing up god will you help me out if i give this thing up if i change this will you come and do something for me and all of that all that stuff does is it numbs us from a real encounter with him see god doesn't enter into relationship and call us into relationship so that we'll do stuff for him Please hear me. This is about grace. He doesn't call your name and say, come close to me so that you can be his worker. He doesn't want a worker. He doesn't want a robot. He wants a person that's in an intimate relationship with him that feels the relationship. So the Lord wants us to become aware of our constant need for him. He doesn't want us to fall in the trap and says, well, God, I'm doing everything right. How come you're not answering me? I've said that before. Hey, God, I'm living as well as I know how to live. What's up? How come you're not doing your part? Anyone ever felt that way or said that? What's the use, God? You said if we paid our tithes and offerings, you would provide for us, and we got bills coming out the ears. What's going on? Do you know what? That thinking comes from a root issue that says, I can perform to get grace. And what that root issue does is it numbs us from our real need for God. And, and the only way we can do this is to have constant awareness of him. Everybody good? So let's close it again with this. The Christian life is not complicated, but it's definitely hard. Jesus wants to be first, and he doesn't want there to be anyone in second, third, fourth, fifth place. He wants to be our everything. That's it. We've, we've taught this on Wednesday and hit, it a little, hit on it a little bit on Sundays. But we did the old ranking system where we put God first and then myself and my family and my friends and church and entertainment and work. So we ranked them one through seven or eight or however many things you've got on your list. And that worked okay growing up in, in church. I mean, that was the answer to stuff. You put God first and your family. That's what we taught in Sunday school. That's what I grew up learning. And it was good in some ways, but it's really not 
the way God wanted it. He wanted to be first and not there, not to be a second. Because if my relationship with him is right, and if I'm in closeness with him and in intimacy with him, then I am a better husband. I am a better father. I am a better worker. All of it flows from him being number one, him being on the seat of our heart, and no one else having our affection. That doesn't mean we don't love our family and wife. I mean that no one can take us from that place of, God, you're on the, you're on the throne of my heart, and I need you. Everybody good? See, Colossians 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God. Everybody all right? We're going to, why don't you stand, all right? We're going to have a stand. There's two, um, how do I say this? I'm trying to think. Sidebar with myself. (laughs) Some of us think that the most dangerous time for us is when everything goes wrong. Like, that's when I'm potentially going to go drink. That's potentially when I'm going to go just fall off the wagon and just lose it, when everything goes wrong. And that's a true threat. When, when things just go really south, things go sideways, just something in some of us, just, man, I just want to give up. And that's a scary time for a lot of people, to be completely honest. But then there's another side that's just equally as scary. It's when things are going well. When things are going well. When, when the family seems to be functioning pretty well and money's coming in and the bills are being paid and we feel pretty good in our bodies. And all of a sudden, in that moment of, man, things are good, we can kind of forget we need him. And I don't want to fall into either one of those categories. When things are really bad, I just fall off the wagon. When things are really good, I'm just like, I'm good. I don't need anybody right now. The Lord wants us at all times, whether things are good, things are bad, everything in between, for our need for him not to change. I want to leave you with this thought. Your passion for him, your need for him, shouldn't shift by the circumstances you're in. Okay, I got a little problem. I only need you a little, God. Like, I'm a little bit desperate. Right? I got a really big problem. I'm really desperate, God. And we kind of up the ante a little bit, and we push all in. Like, God, we really need something to happen. This is horrible. This is life-altering. And all of a sudden, our, our passion for him and our need for him grows according to whatever circumstance we're in. And the Lord wants to break that off of us as a church where our need for him isn't, isn't determined by what we're going through, but that our need for him comes from our love for him. And that love doesn't ever decrease. It only increases. Amen? So we're going to do it old-fashioned because I really want us to break this thing. All right? You're going to go old school, and this is an altar call. Anyone ever heard of an altar call? <laughs> If, if that was for you today, that compartmentalized thing, you want to break that, you want to become whole and healthy, you want him to be number one, you don't want things to determine your need for God, you want your need for him to just increase, I want you just to come to the front and tell him all those things. Just tell him, hey, God, here it is, all on the table. Make this right.
Make me whole. Come on up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can kneel. You can kneel at a seat around the front here. We've got nice little almost made altars. y'all just go ahead and start talking to God. All right? I'm going to pray over everybody here in just a minute. Those that are front praying, keep praying. I want to talk to everyone else real quick. In Jeremiah, God says to the people, I'm going to cure you of your backsliding. In other words, I'm going to fix that thing in you that causes you to have an up and down life with me. I'm going to cure it 100%. The way that I will cure that is God speaking. He says, I'm going to give you singleness of heart. In other words, I'm going to make your heart only beat for me. When that happens, the backsliding will take care of itself. It'll be over. So the Lord just really wants that to be the word for us as a church. I want to be known as a pure and holy. How many really feel it? I want to be pure and holy. I do. I want to be just like him. So why don't you write in your seat, just ask God, make me holy, make me pure, make me just like you. Help me have a pure message flow through a pure vessel, yeah? Just whatever you're at right now, just talk to him. Come on. It's okay. We're in church. We can pray here. us whole, Lord, and healthy. Glue all the pieces into one thing and then be the center of it. Awaken our awareness of you, Lord. Why don't you just pray for your neighbor? Just put your hand on him and just bless him. Pray for God's presence to overwhelm them all through the week. They would have encounters with God. Now, Lord, we need breakthrough here.
things aren't 100% okay between you and God, now is the time to just make sure it's good. close it out today. Um, I want to tell you on, on Halloween, which is the last Sunday of October, we're going to do an outreach. And we're not going to do um, like a fall festival or anything like we've done before. We're literally going to go out. And um, we're going to take advantage of people being open to spiritual things. And we're going to do spiritual readings. You're like, What? Man, we got the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Spirits talks to us. We can tell people some stuff, man. We can unlock people. You think the psychics were there before the Holy Spirit was there? Or did they pervert what, what God had? I really believe with all my heart that God's raising up some spirit-filled psychics in the church. Like We can use the world's language. It doesn't scare God. I feel like God is making me one of those people that's psychic. I really do. And I'm not afraid to say it. The Lord, I'll come in contact with someone and the Lord will say what they're thinking in their head and I'll just, that'll open up conversation instantly. How'd you know I was thinking about that? I don't know. The spirit of spirits told me. So we're going to go out on Halloween and we're going to go out and we're going to talk to people about the Holy Spirit, about their life. And we're going to say, hey, you want, a, you want a free reading, spirit reading? It's Halloween, man. Hit me up. And we're just going to hit them up with the Holy Spirit and love of God, right? Right? And um, trick or treat. <laughs> so starting October 13th on Wednesday night, we're going to do three weeks of training for this. And um, on how to do treasure hunting, how to hear from God and speak to people. So I just want to make you aware of what we're moving into as a church. And the reason I'm saying that is because, like, the gear has already been, the, the clutch is in the floor, and we've already put it into gear, and we're letting the clutch out, and it's fixing to, to click in to gear, into, into the next, what, fourth gear, whatever we're in now. I just want you to know where we're at as a church. So don't be afraid if your head gets knocked back in the seat, and you're like, whoa, what happened? We did become weird overnight. <laughs> We've been preparing for this as a church for a long time. And it's time for us to just go for it. And I want you to know that we want you to be involved. Everyone's welcome to do this. There's no one who sits on the bench. Right? And so I just wanted to tell you that. And on, um, instead of Collide on the first Sunday of October, we're going to show the movie called Furious Love. So that's when we're going to do it. Um, I think it's October 5th. No, whatever that first Sunday is. Um, third, thank you. <clears throat> we'll be showing that movie, and we'll get ready for outreach. Right? Because what, what stays in the house dies in the house. Are you all right? You guys okay? It's been a really good day. Some different parts and different things like this and some heavy messages. 
the Lord wants to just, hey, he's setting us up for something. Because the whole earth is the Lord's. And when Kyle read Genesis 126, it jumped out at me. He said, he gave the fishes of the sea, the birds of the air, the animals on the ground, and the whole earth, he gave it to man. Everyone okay? Listen to this. When man sinned, the enemy stole it. When Jesus descended, he took it back from the enemy. And now he's given us control of the planet again. And he wants us to go make a difference, all right? So why don't you just bless someone close to you and say, hey, you're going to take back the planet for God? Just tell them that. You're going to take the planet back for God? And thank you so much for being here. We love you guys. Be blessed.